On today's Spotlight on KRWC, we have in studio with us Adam Austin. Adam is with the University of Minnesota Extension Service Office and is an ag educator. And we're going to talk for the first time in the new year with him. Adam, good morning. Good morning. Nice to be back. Nice to have you here. Happy New Year to you. To you, too. We're in the um, kind of the winter doldrums here a little bit for uh, for farmers, but there's a lot of activities that are coming up that we're going to tackle here. So uh, you had a good holiday season? Yeah, it was good. It was very busy, so it wasn't the end of the world when it ended because it needed a little break. Yeah, it uh, stuff kind of tends to stack up there on top of one another for, for a lot of people. Yep. Um, we ended the year of 2019 kind of, uh, I don't know if there was a little last uh, flurry of activity for folks to get some crop in. We had kind of a period there where the ground kind of froze, and even though we had a lot of snow, some of it kind of melted. And then, I don't know, did did people get back out after that? Yeah, I mean, you drive around, pretty much everything got out of the fields, which is obviously what we want. Um, obviously, there are a lot of difficulties to go along with that, with uh, wet moisture conditions and all of that. Things were freezing. But I'd say, you know, looking back on 2019, it was quite the year. But uh, I'd say it ended you know, as a whole, averaging everything out, it ended pretty well, you know, all things considered. Um, I'd say, you know, we got mid-upper 90s of all crops are probably out of the field from what I see driving around. Um, so with all the worries that went on, um, I think we're we're okay compared to where it could have been. Yeah. It was a, a extremely wet year. We all know that. And in fact, I think it was either record-setting or very close to record-setting for Minnesota. Some states mm-hmm. did set a new record for for wet summer. Uh, and that kind of, not only how, how it happened, but when the uh, moisture came is kind of, the, you know, it was at the front and back mm-hmm. in the worst two times. Yeah, definitely. So, I, I mean, it was just challenging all over the board. Um, yeah, I, you know, normally, you know, we just don't see that very often. So this was definitely a tough year to... Tough year to deal with, but I think one thing we learned or really saw that stood out to me at least this year was just how resilient these hybrids we have nowadays are, both corn and soybeans. I mean, a lot of these were just sitting in water all year long, and, you know, it caused a lot of problems. But compared to what I think our seed would have done, you know, obviously I wasn't here to experience this at this point. But, you know, I think if we look back even, you know, 20 years I think we would have had even a lot more problems, just the, the disease resistance and all the different traits that they have built into our corn and soybeans now. It it really helped us, you know, maintain yield. It's something that was reasonable. Do you have any stats on what the yield was around our local area? You know, they don't really have much out yet for, you know, just Wright County specifically. But looking at Minnesota, um, if we just look at corn for grain, they... The last report that the USDA put out for 2019, or they kind of summed up the whole year, I think it was uh, just a few days ago now that they came out with their final report summing up all of 2019. And what they published was an estimate of 1.26 billion bushels of corn, which is down only 7% from 2018, which and really isn't bad considering it's 200,000 fewer acres than 2018. Um Across the state as a whole, we still averaged 174 bushels per acre, which, uh, you know, going back to what we were just saying, I think really really shows some resiliency in our crops because uh, with everything that I had to go through this year, um, definitely definitely not too bad. Um, one thing we did see, too, though, 
with the way this year worked out is a big uptick in silage and that also goes along with the trends of how we're feeding animals nowadays but um, we're up 17% to 8.74 million tons of corn for silage 17% is a pretty big boost um, even and that boost comes even with uh, the yield estimates going down so um, just the way the weather worked out along with you know people wanting more silage and the demand for it being there being you know maybe your neighbor couldn't get in and get his silage corn harvested on time things like that um, that's why we're seeing a big uptick in silage which is kind of an interesting story all around oh we can keep looking at different crops too soybeans uh, that's at 298 million bushels. Uh, that's down about 21% from 2018. So, um, you know, that's that's just everything all coming together. It is yield decreases. It is acreage decreases, late planting, things like that. Also, the market conditions just aren't the same as they were a year or two ago. We all know what's going on with China and that sort of thing. Our biggest market for soybeans by far. So that take a, took a hit there too. Um, so th we are down 880 800, yeah, 880,000 acres below what was planted in 2018. So that's just um, kind of market trends there and farmers making those decisions. Um, hay is an extremely, I'd say honestly, confusing market right now. If you're looking to buy hay, a lot of people are overpaying for it because, you know, obviously the cost of transport hay and straw is very high. Um, so if you're not getting it, you know, people are paying premiums on this stuff a lot of times because you know in the, your 30 50 80 mile radius the the supply just isn't there especially for high quality hay i mean looking at the hay production it is down only four percent from 2018 that's all hay but what you're looking at if you look at just alfalfa we're up 10 percent in just pure tonnage but i think what we're seeing is a lot this year we got a lot more tonnage off of some of our harvests but it wasn't high quality hay so you you're having to compensate in different ways for that too so when you look at the hay thing some of these statistics might be a little bit misleading just because you know the tonnage might be there but um you know you're losing that quality so it's just not doing for your animals what you know what you'd normally want it to do and so seeking out the uh the high quality stuff that's the problem you know yeah it's uh Less available and higher price if you can find mm -hmm. it. Yeah, and, it, you know, sometimes you see the lower quality stuff going for the same price as the higher quality stuff just because whatever you can get your hands on, you have to pay for it. You have to feed your animals something. So that's, I think that's a bullet a lot of livestock producers are having to bite right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I, I guess um, those are the main crops in our area that we uh, had a lot of areas, as you said, that uh, didn't get out until late. But did, did you find a lot of producers? It seemed to me that I saw a lot more, uh, especially late in the season, a lot more um, tractors or harvesters with uh, the track models being used just because of the wet fields. Yeah, those are becoming more and more popular every year. You definitely pay a premium for those, too. But it gives you extra time to get in the field. Um, looking at the actual data from what I've heard from other people in Extension, the actual impact it has as far as compaction on your soil isn't that tremendously better um, than what normal floating tires would do. But it still does allow you to get they do go across the field better. So that's why we're seeing more and more of those track machines. As things get bigger, you need to find ways to get in the field. And with the weather patterns we've been having too, 
you know, if that those tracks allow you to get in the field a day or two earlier, that can, you know, those tracks can pay for themselves fairly quickly if you look at it that way. So that's why we're seeing more and more of those, even though they don't necessarily uh, save your soil from compaction, like I think some people hope. They, they might help a little bit, but uh, it's just more so giving yourselves as big of windows as possible to get in your fields these mm-hmm. falls that we've been having. Did you have, uh, I know we talked during the course of the year last, last year about uh, some producers having to switch varieties or, you know, at the last minute, you know, couldn't get in, couldn't get in, couldn't get in, switch to a shorter variety. Uh, do we have, did we have quite a bit of that here? We had some uh, people that could do it. Not everybody could even find the lower varieties because, you know, eventually it just ran out. You know, the seed companies do what they can to plan ahead of time. So I'm hoping this year maybe they decided to, you know, grow and produce some seed that was maybe a little bit shorter day. Because looking into next year, you know, everything's wet right now. It, You know, we ended the fall wet. Um, people say they don't really see this weather pattern breaking anytime soon. Um, which I have no reason to tell them they're wrong. You know, going back and looking at fall of 2017 was kind of the same way. You know, it's just we're in this wet cycle. So um, I think seed producers might adjust. Um, I think we have been seeing a shift towards sort of more resilient hybrids over more of those riskier, you know, high-reward, high-risk sort of hybrids that might produce really well in the right conditions. Just because... um, I don't think farmers are willing to take on those risks right now, especially with the way the weather's been going. So I guess I don't know for sure, but I'm thinking, you know, they're probably adjusting the seed they're producing to what what's working for farmers right now. Um, but with that in mind, we have to remember that the farmers that are growing corn for seed or beans for seed went through the same struggles this growing season that all the other farmers did. Mm-hmm. Interesting, on Linder Farm Network reports uh, the last week or so, they've been talking with a few producers from various parts of the state and upper Midwest, really, too, that um, are they all kind of had sort of a, the same kind of trend in saying that this coming season, you know, they're going to be tempted to not wait and to get in you know, at the first window of opportunity, even though it might not be ideal or maybe something that in the past they would wait out thinking, well, you know, the rain will break and we'll we'll have a better condition. But they're kind of suggesting now, and not necessarily that everybody do it, but just it was interesting to note that some of these producers are saying, hey, next year I'm getting out there no matter because, you know, better to get it in than have to wait forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think we did see, you know, we are getting into, let's say, later May, and you know they waited and waited, and they ended up going to their into their field two weeks later with the same exact conditions and still mudding in their seed. Um, so that might be a really smart choice. Uh, I think that's how some farmers might choose to manage that risk. Um, but when you plant earlier and you have bad conditions, then you're just bringing on new risks. Um, are you going to have poor germination? Um, are there going to be more disease issues with being so wet? Are we going to get another cold snap, you know, late in May or something that really affects your seed too? So it's just it's just looking at your different risks and deciding how you want to manage that and which ones you'd rather face over the others. Yeah. Well, and there, of course, is, you know, going out into the fields when they're a little wet versus, you know, going out when it's so wet that you might get stuck out there. And, that's, you know, that's a little bit... Uh, 
unpredictable too yeah so when you figure that one out tim what let, let <laughs> yeah. all the farmers yeah. know because everybody's trying to figure yeah. out exactly when when to time that one up yeah, i'd be a millionaire if i could figure it out <laughs> i think you would all right well that kind of covers the uh the end of 2019 you've got a bunch of events here that you wanted to talk about and uh, includes um a farm bill meeting uh in the local area that we'll talk about but uh, strategic farming webinar you want to talk about first yeah so this is kind of a five-part series that uh some regional and state extension educators are doing and it's just focused mainly on your main corn and soy uh, uh management so the the few topics they have uh they already had a nutrient management webinar that happened in december but the way they're doing these is you can register and join these webinars live. And webinars, I think, are a great way to, you know, quickly, easily get your information without having to always drive somewhere to get it. Um, but they had a nutrient management one that happened. And eventually, once they get that all edited and figured out, they'll post that up on the website. And you can go back and watch the recorded version of that. Um, so if you want information on how to find those, just contact me. It would be easiest. Uh, and then let's see. They're coming up soon. The next one's going to be a soybean management one. Uh, the third one's going to be a cover crops one, how to fit that to the goals of your farm and make it work in your system. Uh, the fourth one's going to be new pests for corn and soybeans, looking at different pathogens and things that have been causing problems. And the last one is just what's new in weed management. So uh, just basic, very important topics for for your corn and soy is mostly what it modeled is modeled around um but yeah that's that's a good uh webinar series that they're putting on that used to be it's more of an in-person in, por- in meeting type thing but they're switching to this to hopefully cater to farmers needs a little more and are these live as they do it or these this yep. is like a library system where you can kind of reference it afterwards it's both so you can register and join live and if you are watching the live webinar you'll have a chance to ask questions and follow along and participate or just sit there and listen and otherwise the other option is to eventually they're i think with holidays and different things going on right now they're a little bit behind but they will post these recorded webinars so the same thing as if you would have joined live um you can go back and watch them then too so so a couple different options, you know, it's not like you have to be there available that hour. You can go back and maybe you're thinking in April you just want to refresh or see what's new. If you want to wait till then, and you know, it's still going to be available for you to listen to then or watch. Mm-hmm. These are every couple weeks or how often? Yeah, they're kind of spread out. It's every other every couple weeks. I think there might be one next week if I had to guess was the next one and then, you know, every couple weeks or so. Um, there's a website for it. I don't have it here, but if you're interested in these just Go ahead and contact me, and I'll be able to get you all that info. Good. Okay, now, uh, later this month, a farm bill meeting, and this uh, might be of interest to uh, a number of producers, and that's coming up uh, uh, nearby Rockford Township Hall. Yeah, so they're holding one of these in every single county, I believe, in the state. Uh, So this is going to be kind of a joint um, meeting between the FSA office and business management instructors, educators from... uh, various institutions within the state of minnesota they might be from the u of m maybe uh different different colleges in the minnesota state system um but that's just a short brief well it's not too short two hours actually covers quite a bit of detail i guess but um just going over some of the details of the farm bill from 2018 uh they're going to go a lot into the ARC and plc payment programs that are available right now for farmers uh just a lot of info to make sure farmers are 
getting what they can from, you know, as far as government assistance in these kind of struggling times um, and some more info. So those those should be pretty helpful. I'll be there. I don't think I'll be really teaching anything that day, but I'll, you know, just to, just to help out. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one because it's a lot of good, important info for producers. All right. And that's 2 to 4 p.m. January 24th, which is a Friday at the Rockford Town Hall. Did you say, do they have to pre-register for this? Or? Nope, just okay. walk on in. All right, 2 to 4 p.m., Friday, January 24th. All right. Now we've got some other conferences coming up here in February that you wanted to mention. These are not real close to home, but if uh, if you don't have anything else going, you want to venture out? Yeah, so the you know these are pretty not local, so I'll keep it pretty brief. But on February 4th and down in Mankato is the Nutrient Management Conference. Uh, that's a bunch of U of M Extension instructors giving different talks about uh, just hot topics in nutrient management. Uh, maybe a little bit more important these recent years than we thought in past years with all the struggles with water and stuff we've been having. Make sure you're not losing those nutrients to your ditches or down deep into your soil profile. Uh, you pay for these fertilizers, you want them to eventually find find their way into the plant. We don't want to be losing them in other ways. So looking at that sort of stuff, that's the Nutrient Management Conference again in Mankato on February 4th. And then one specific to nitrogen will be on February 8th in Alexandria. So neither of them super close, but if you know you want to make that little bit of a trip, both very helpful. They're pretty much all day long. I don't know the exact times on them, probably like a 8.30 to 4 or something like that. Um, but that one's just specifically focusing on nitrogen management. Uh, they'll talk about the new water quality rule that's in effect that'll help farmers figure out exactly what's expected of them. Um, so th those are two big conferences coming up in February. But then if you know if you're worried about nitrogen and want to stay a little bit closer to home, we do have a nitrogen smart class coming to Annandale at St. John's Lutheran on February 28th. Uh, how that one works is they have kind of a fundamentals course from 9 to 12 and then we'll break for lunch and from 1 to 4 is the advanced session so getting a little bit more into the nitty-gritty of nitrogen management making sure it's not leaching away how to get your money's worth out of your nitrogen applications uh, so if if you've been to one of these before they're okay with you coming from just 1 to 4 for the advanced session otherwise if you just want to come for the week for the fundamentals session in the morning or stay for both it's really up to you how you want to go about that one okay so that's uh review again a little bit about what is covered there so nitrogen smart is a program that they uh, i think they're offering 14 of these classes across the state this year uh it's something they've been doing for i want to say six years maybe now uh it just teaches some of the well the fundamentals and then some of the more advanced tactics of how to how to make the most out of your nitrogen fertilizer applications uh do it safely so we don't have any nitrate leaching and anything like that but more importantly just to um get the right amounts on your fields to maximize your returns looking at that economic benefit like we always have been for farms all right so that is february 28th uh in annandale at st john's lutheran church and again uh, pre-sign up or just show up that's another one where you can just show up. We'll have uh, kind of some rolls, coffee, that sort of stuff for you in the morning. Uh, I think it's up to you to go grab some lunch if you want, but then we'll have snacks again in the afternoon for you too. Good. 
All right. Uh, in St. Cloud, a farm transition and estate planning workshop in early March. Yeah, so that's a little ways out, but, uh, you know, worth talking about now. That's March 11th. That's pretty much an all-day thing, too. Um, it, maybe you, your farm is somewhere between generations, sort of. You want to start thinking about that sort of thing. Or maybe um, you don't have anybody to really pass the farm on to. You need to start thinking about what's next for you. So this is a workshop that goes through all of your farm transition and estate planning um, sort of things to help you kind of start to make a plan in your head of what makes the most sense for you and your farm and your family. Okay. And um, contact you for information on uh, the hours and location and everything on that? Or? Yeah, I, I guess I don't even have all the details here with me, but okay. if you're interested in that one, let me know and so I can get you all that information. That's upcoming and we'll we'll have more info on that before then. And then uh, getting a little farther out, the annual spring days. Boy, it's kind of almost fun to say it, but uh, spring days is kind of more for the, that's for the uh, backyard gardeners kind of. Yeah, and it can maybe apply to, you know, producers a little bit too. Um, But that's, I've never been there, obviously, my first year year with the Master Gardeners, but that's a good one. They get anywhere from two to 300 people there every year. Um, A lot of different speakers, some from the U., Others from, you know, growers from around the area and different organizations, things like that. So a lot of great info. They have vendor booths uh, so you can walk around, talk to some vendors, maybe get some good things like that. There's door prizes, a silent auction, lunch, of course. I think it's I think it's thirty five dollars to sign up for the day. Um, so if you are interested in spring days, just a lot of good info for gardeners, whether it be your backyard or a little bit bigger operation, maybe two. Um Go ahead and just go to springdays.org, and all the information about that is right up there. Otherwise, of course, just like everything else, let me know if you have any questions. That's one of those events that uh, the Master Gardeners came up with a number of years ago. And from year one, I mean, people just universally uh, jumped on it, and it's been very popular. Yeah, and a lot of other counties, a lot of other Master Gardener programs have similar workshops too. So it's it's a thing people definitely like to do uh, early on. You know, in the spring when you're starting to think about what do I want to do with my garden this year, a lot of good information and, you know, a good way for gardeners to meet up too. And kind of a trade show a little bit too. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, as you say, there's vendors there and lots of different things to, to take in. Yeah, so it's a, it's a lot of work for some of my master gardeners that go into the planning of it, but I think it all pays off in but the But they end. like it. They yes. love it. So. Yep, definitely. And then finally, a fruit and vegetable seminar in early April here, so that's a ways out. But. Yeah, we're looking pretty much three months ahead here, but uh, fruit and veg seminar is uh, kind of a four-location thing we're doing in central Minnesota. Uh, so what's going to happen is on April 7th, they're going to go up to Little Falls in Alexandria. And then on the 8th, kind of on the educators' way back to the cities, they're going to go to, I believe it's litchfield in the morning then drive up uh, on april 8th in the afternoon it'll be i believe about 1 30 to 4 30 um just a few different topics from extension educators so fruit and veg seminar this would be whether you're a gardener or a producer for more of a money making sort of situation uh let's see if i, I think we're doing some things on spotted wing drosophila that's you know a really big kind of scaring some people um, in the fruit world. Uh, I don't remember all the other topics, but it's just going to be three kind of sessions and a few hours to uh, get some good information on some hot topics right now in gardening and fruit and vegetable production. Okay. So we got a little time to plan for that one. We'll probably talk again about it before uh, 
before we get there. So. Yep. All right. Well, interesting topics here today and some good information. If people uh, need to contact you, where can they do that at? Uh, my direct line to my office is 763-682-7381, otherwise 682-7394 if you just want to get a hold of the extension office. And, of course, you can always email me, too, at aosting, so A-A-U-S-T-I-N-G, at umn.edu. Okay. Our guest, Adam Austin, University of Minnesota Extension Service Office here in Wright County. And uh, thanks for visiting us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tim. Okay, we'll talk to you the next time. That's our spotlight here on KRWC.